Hello, and welcome to the Retirement Repair Shop. I'm your host, Mary Beth Franklin. In this fourth season of our podcast series, brought to you by Realize, we'll focus on retirement challenges and how to get finances back on track. Our guest experts are great resources for both financial advisors and their clients. I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest today, Stacy Francis. Stacy is president and CEO of Francis Financial and founder of Savvy Ladies. Stacy, welcome to the podcast. Mary Beth, it's so nice to be here talking about a topic that is so near and dear to my heart, women and money and retirement. Um, I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm really honored to be part of this today. Well, we're going to jump right into this conversation and let's start with the big picture. Women and finances, they have a lot of specific challenge. Tell us why it's so hard for women to save for their future financial security. Well, you know, there are lots of reasons. Um, we always, the first thing we comes up is the uh, wage gap, which, you know, depending on the survey stands at 77%, 77 cents for every dollar or others might say 80 cents, but whatever it is, it's, it's significantly less. Um, but the other piece that a lot of people don't talk about is the retirement wage gap of how being out of the workforce, making less money um, ends up creating some income problems in retirement. And um, we see women in the US, um, that wage gap being at about 34% in those retirement years. It's interesting, I looked at uh, the research and actually, Mary Beth, you had written an article about this in Japan, it stands at almost 50% difference, uh, 47%. So this is a real problem. And how does it show up? Well, it shows up that women above age 65 are twice as likely as our male counterparts to, to live in poverty. So this is a real problem. And unfortunately, due to COVID, um, it's actually only getting worse. Yeah, let's talk about that. You mentioned several challenges. One, women tend to earn less than men, which means they have less money to set aside for saving and investing. They're often taking time out of their careers to either care for children and or elderly parents. And we found that even more during COVID. And then they tend to live longer. So they usually have accumulated a smaller nest egg and now they have to stretch it over a longer lifetime because they often spend those final years alone due to divorce or widowhood or increasingly never have married in the first place. So let's talk about the crazy past year and a half due to COVID. How did that affect women's financial security? Well, sources um, say that uh, COVID has set women back 20 years. And uh, what they cite is the number of women leaving the workforce. Um, we saw more than 2.3 million women leaving the workforce um, since COVID hit. And uh, a study just came out by McKinsey and Company and interviewing women, one in four of them said that they're very seriously considering completely leaving the workforce or at least downshifting their careers. COVID has been very hard on all of us, uh, particularly working mothers who have had what we call a double shift, working um, crazy hours and then also crazy hours spent carried for, for children. And a lot of women are talking about real burnout and not just the, I'm real tired, I've had a really tough work week. Um, you know, things showing up with such as health issues, um, they're hearing all and, and we're hearing about financial strain. 
I'll, I'll be talking about savvy ladies and, and what we're doing, but you know, just to bring that in, um, we have seen a 400% increase since COVID took over our world in the number of women reaching out to us that are in financial crisis that desperately need support and help. Um, so, you know, we're, we're seeing that the needs that women have now and the concerns we have about long-term financial security are, are even more important now than we've seen in, to be honest, in decades. And that is such a perfect segue. You mentioned savvy ladies. Now, you have sort of a bifurcated business model. You have uh, Francis Financial, which is a wealth management firm, and you have a passion project, Savvy mm. Ladies. Um, talk about Savvy Ladies, and then you can back into how you started that. Savvy Ladies is um, part of who I am. It's my mission. It's part of why I was placed on this earth. And Savvy Ladies works with about 5,000 women each year who come to Savvy Ladies, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, and they're looking for financial support, financial advice. And so that's what we actually do through about 50 different programs offering financial literacy for women free of charge, everything from budgeting, cash flow management to investing, understanding how to get ahead in your career, using your 401k, understanding social security. Um, there are you know, literally hundreds of TED talk like videos that are on our website and also that are live um, nearly every other week. And then we also have a beautiful investor education and financial helpline where women can call and they are matched to work with a certified financial planner, a certified public accountant, a divorce financial analyst, and uh, you know whoever it might be that they need to answer their question. And again, it's not needs-based. This is for anyone who feels like they need that support. If you feel like you need that support, well, then Savvy Ladies is there to serve you. And that is, again, pro bono to help people you know, kind of talk through financial situations, financial crisis, and make sure that you're given the best advice you you possibly could have so that you can continue your financial future and, and achieve that financial security that, you know, we all deserve. That is an amazing service. And I'm sure you can't do that by yourself. It takes a village. <laughs> Tell us about the people who help and support and staff Savvy Ladies. We have a fantastic uh, staff at Savvy Ladies, as well as a board of, of 23 of us, very active. Um, and how we deliver our mission is through our amazing volunteers. Um, many of them are probably listening to this wonderful podcast, Mary Beth, today. Um, all of them working in the financial field with different backgrounds, um, certified financial planners, uh, investment experts, individuals who are experts in the area of, of cash flow management and, and credit and coaches, money coaches. Um, you know, as we all say, it takes a village. And so if any of you want to make a difference out there, we are always looking for more volunteers because the number of women, um, as I mentioned, has increased significantly, but I didn't tell you the numbers. We're getting over a hundred women coming to our helpline every single month. And that is a Herculean job to match them with that professional. And we make a commitment to, to our volunteers that we only ask one or two hours a month to make sure that you know they have time to, to live their 
best life and you know be able to devote to their practice so always interested and there's a great information at savvyladies.org um, all about our helpline and, and how to get involved and that would seem to be great experience for perhaps young financial advisors that are maybe looking to uh, develop their practice to help women this would give them frontline experience right yeah, it helps you, um, particularly adding hours to be able to attain your CFP, uh, to be able to do that. Um, and what you want to do is just make sure that when you sign up, that you sign up for the areas that you have an expertise in. So, um, you know, if you're a newer CFP, then um, maybe complex investment strategies might not be your your ballywick. Maybe it's more so cash flow management, um, debt management. But trust me, we need your support. We need your help. And there's always a, a, a way that you can help. And also, we always talk at many Women Advisor Summit sponsored by Investment News of the importance of having men as allies. Are male volunteers welcomed? Oh, my gosh. Yes. In fact, many, many, many of our volunteers are, are um, gentlemen. We have gentlemen on our board, uh, some of our most staunch supporters, because they themselves have seen and witnessed uh, their mother, a grandmother, um, a daughter that they want to make sure has the financial security, a sister, um, an, an aunt who, who possibly could have struggled because of not having the financial literacy and support that she needed to make those you know, good decisions in her life and help her rebound from, from financial shocks. So yes, very much so. Always open for both men and women, equal opportunity and, and whatever you do, trust me, it's very appreciated. And you just mentioned three key words, grandmother, struggle, financial literacy. Tell us your story of why this is your passion. Savvy Ladies is my love letter to my grandmother. And uh, she was a victim of physical and emotional abuse in her marriage. And um, it became so violent um, that actually she ended up passing away because of the abuse. I grew up seeing this, um, seeing the abuse, seeing the bruises, and it shook me to who I am as uh, to my very core, ultimately losing um, one of the most dearest people in my life, my grandmother, who was one of the closest people, people I love most in my life to abuse. It, it left me, to be honest, um, crushed. And I knew that she wasn't alone, that there were other women who've also felt trapped in marriages. And, you know, she shared with me before she died that she stayed because she felt financially trapped. So many times we, we look at a situation and we just ask, why don't they leave? And it's not that easy. And while Savvy Ladies works with, you know, many women who unfortunately are dealing with similar situations to my grandmother, um, the benefits of having financial literacy and financial information and support, the trickle down is, is for every woman and not only helping her uh, live her best life, but also her children and her family. Um, and that's why I started Savvy Ladies. That was about 20 years ago. And it's been two decades that we've been doing this work. I know that she's looking down from heaven and she's very proud. And if anything, she would be sitting here right by my side telling every single woman who's listening today that handling your money is not a nice to know. It's, it's a must know. And you know, eight out of 10 women are gonna be on their own at some point in their life, uh, having to make their own financial decisions. So just as you, would make sure that you knew how to drive a car. If, if you had to drive cross country, you would take those driving lessons. Well, it's the same thing with our money and we need to 
we need to stand up and we, we need to take more agency over our financial future and, and, and be more involved. Realize strives to put you in control of managing your investment property wealth. Their goal is to help bridge the gap between investment property ownership and sophisticated wealth management, helping you meet your income needs in retirement and pursue your investment goals across generations. Using the principles of investment property wealth management, Realize transforms individual investment properties into diversified real estate portfolios, customized based on income needs approaching retirement, risk appetite, and investment goals. By evaluating your current investment assets and determining what your long-term strategy is for wealth management, their team of advisors can create a unique investment plan for you or your clients. Visit them at www.realize1031.com slash repair shop to learn more about Realized and the tools they use to help their clients overcome retirement income challenges. Stacey, uh, you mentioned just like you would drive a car, you, women should be in charge of driving their finances. Well, I have to tell you a story from my personal life. I'm the youngest of five children um, over a wide age gap. My oldest brother's 18 years older than I am. And throughout my childhood, my mother never drove a car. She worked locally. She could walk to work. And after suffering through perhaps a difficult marriage, she decided um, it was time to leave my father. And I said, if I ever wrote uh, a novel based on her life, I would call it License to Leave because one month she got a driver's license, the next month she bought a used car, the next month she left my father. So it was a matter of lining up the tools she needed to yeah. escape to her freedom. So I can really understand your story of how it's so important for women to take control of various facets of their lives, whether it's uh, controlling their finances, getting a job, getting a car to be able to do, drive away from a bad situation. Now, you started this Savvy Ladies Project when you were quite young. I'm always fascinated. One, how did you figure it out? And two, how did you finance it? It's interesting at age 26 how a lot of passion and a lot of energy can get you a long way. Um, I really started it from a shoestring. I had very little and I was the executive director, um, not paid. I volunteered all my time. And after a year, I quickly realized um, two things. Number one, charities can do good work, but if they have the funding, they can do great, great work and make a true impact. And that's something that I didn't have. I didn't have the funding. And so I knew that to get this charity up and running, to do the amazing service work that it needed to, I was gonna need to finance it myself. And so that's actually where Francis Financial came from. A year after I started Francis Financial, which is an independent RIA registered investment advisor. And I worked about 30 hours a week, sometimes 40 a week each week, four savvy ladies pro bono as the executive director. And then I worked another 40 to 50 hours a week as the president and CEO of Francis Financial in my wealth management firm. I will tell you, it was, it was brutal. It was hard, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. 
but it was also the most worthwhile thing I could have ever done with my life. Because the second thing that I knew that was so important was that for me to walk my talk, I needed to make sure that I was financially secure. And being the executive director of my own nonprofit was not going to be that path. I knew that I had to invest in myself and create a career for me to be able to be financially secure. And what's been beautiful about this is that as my wealth management firm has grown and flourished, I've been able to give more and I've been able to give big to savvy ladies. And that's one of the pieces that I also just want to talk about of how volunteering is so important, but you and making sure that you're financially secure and sound allows you to write those checks that charities really need and allows you to make that big impact. And so that's how I've lived my life. And it's been um, wonderful because I have, again, this amazing charity that works with women in just such difficult financial crisis and a wealth management firm that tends to work with very wealthy people with very complex situations, but also it, because of that, very challenging and engaging as well. That is such a fascinating story. And I'm curious, often financial advisors who are currently independent registered advisors often start working for a big firm at the beginning. How did you get started in financial planning? And were you a credentialed certified financial planner? What was your path to become financially savvy yourself? Yeah, my path was an interesting path. After watching my grandmother, I went into investment banking because I assumed that those investment bankers, they must know a lot about money. And growing up on a, you know, out in Michigan in the nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, that was my thought. And so I ended up working in investment banking and very quickly realized that investment bankers are very smart, but picking the right um, mixture of stocks and bonds and the amount that you should be saving versus spending versus, you know, all those pieces was, was not their expertise. And so I started to going, go to school um, to get my CFP. And my first job in that area of finance was with MetLife. And it was a great experience for me because it helped me decide that the work I wanted to do in particular with savvy ladies, um, that it wasn't gonna be able to be there. They, um, you know, many people look at savvy ladies as like a marketing um, piece and and I cannot work with someone who has come to me through savvy ladies and that was a conflict because um, you know that's that's not why savvy ladies is there and so that's also why savvy ladies works with typically lower income women and Francis financial works with high net worth if not ultra high net worth so that there's not that not that conflict mm -hmm. and um, I have to say to individuals there are so many great ways that, you can can give back, um, but at the same time, really what it comes down to, make sure, like they say in a airplane, if in the event of an emergency landing, you put that mask on you, make sure you're as financially secure as you can so that you can, again, give big and make a big difference. When you chose to hang out your shingle of uh, Francis Financial, in the beginning, I take it you decided to focus on women and their finances. How did you attract high-end and even ultra high-worth women when you were fairly new to the business? 
Mary Beth, it was so hard. <laughs> um, it, it was it was so hard. I I booked a speaking engagement for myself every single week, and I would average about fifty a year. Anyone who had a heartbeat, I've spoken in front of audiences of five hundred, and I've spoken in front of audiences of two. One of which fell asleep. Um, <laughs> It was really hard, and it was a hard journey. And um, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to New York with a network, so it was hard. And then, you know, joining networking groups and forming relationships with power partners like estate planners and accountants. But it, it's like growing a garden. And when where I grew up in Michigan, we grew our own food. And what I do know about that is that the first year that we planted that garden we had some crops but it really wasn't so great you know after 10 years we we had more food that we knew to and we were giving it to our neighbors to hospitals to um you know food banks because it we were so overrun and and that's where we are now but it, it just it takes a while and you know i'll also share too that i struggled in the beginning and and i used to pay financial advisors who had been in the field for 25, 30 years to proof my financial plans. That was very smart. <laughs> and, and my investment allocations. And, you know, ultimately I made very little after all of that, but it was, you know, the investment in my knowledge was so important, just like the investment in, you know, growing my business and, and networking and, and all those pieces. But, you know, any financial advisor will tell you building your business, attracting clients, particularly in the beginning, it's a lot of work. It really is and requires a lot of energy and a lot of faith. One of the great advantages of focusing on female clients is they're really good at networking and referrals and sharing, hey, I'm working with this great advisor, you should go see her. Talk about how that has fed on itself on your success. Yeah, we are very, very fortunate. Um, and the rate of clients that uh, refer other clients to us is one of the highest um, out there in the industry. Uh, essentially, you know, one out of four clients is sending us a, a new client every single year, which is just a really unbelievable testament to the work that we're doing. And when I say we, you know, it's it's myself, but it's really my team, my team of absolutely amazing you know, talented certified financial planners and divorce financial analysts. And, and the other piece that's helped is, you know, they, they share, they share what we're doing well, and they share how much we really care about them. And, you know, those are all really important pieces that have helped our business become so strong. And, and also one of the quickest growing, we, we receive about 250 referrals every single year of new clients. And um, not all of them come on board. A lot of times we're not the right fit. Um, and that's okay. But we make that commitment that even if we're not the right fit for whatever it is, we are going to find a great financial advisor for them that that is. And um, that's really important too, because we want to make sure that whoever that person is, that they have their you know, their perfect financial advisor to help them make some, some good decisions. So referrals are two-way street here. Your existing clients are referring potential new clients to you. And at the same time, that new potential client, as you said, may not be a perfect fit, but you work to find them someone who is. And I think this is one of the secret sauces of your business, referring potential clients, not just to perhaps another financial advisor, but to other financial experts they may need in their journeys, such as 
a divorce attorney, an accountant, an estate yeah. planning attorney, a housing expert. Talk about how you build that team. You're sort of the financial quarterback here. How does a financial advisor like you assemble a team of other experts to help their clients? It's definitely a team effort. When I say that, um, it's myself and then also other financial advisors that the advisors that work with me. We ideally like to work with each one of those professionals to make sure that we have a great experience. Um, and so most of the people that um, we refer are our, our own advisors, trust and estate and CPAs and and movers and organizers and and real estate agents, everything in between most of them we've worked with personally. And those that we haven't, um, we've had great experiences with um, over the last few decades. Um, and that's what our goal is, is to be a, I would almost say a concierge, so that whenever a client thinks of um, a need, they reach out to you. They reach out to you. And, um, you know, just being that resource is so powerful. And, you know, I, I think about it, I had a flood recently in our apartment. And, you know, the number of individuals I needed to help us, the contractor, the mover, the mold remediation, I mean, it was just endless. And the fact that I had those resources at my fingertips, within one hour, I had hired all of those people and was done and ready to go. And it felt so, such a, such a warm, comforted feeling of knowing that, okay, while we've had a flood and this is awful, I have all the right people they're going to fix it. And I know they're going to do a good job. Um, and so that's what we want to do for our clients. And, you know, again, for any financial advisor, that's, that's something that, um, you know, I hope we all, all continue to, to get better at. You've mentioned several times your team, and I know personally, your team is a poster child for diversity and inclusion. Can you talk about the makeup of your team and how that helps your business? Thank you. It's, you know, it's interesting, Mary Beth, because I don't want to say that we've created our team by happenstance. We, we really just hired the best people. And um, many of those people I hadn't ever even met in person. So I didn't really know what they, they looked like. We talked on the phone. It was before Zoom. And it was really only at the very end when we were pretty much offering the job to them. And we have a great number of women, much, much, much greater than the, the typical uh, wealth management firm and a few really fantastic men of all different, um, you know, backgrounds and individuals of color, individuals of different nationalities. Um, it's it's been really helpful, and and also individuals who some come from you know different careers, career changers. And I have to say, the one thing that I feel like has helped us really keep our eyes open is that we don't care where someone went to school. We don't really even care what they majored in. What we care about is that they're passionate, that they are really a great team player, that they want to learn, and that they have attention to detail. And most important, something that you can't teach is that they, they really care. They really care about people. Because we know that, you know, learning finance, taking the CFP, it's not rocket science. It's really not. I mean, yes, it's a lot of work, but we can teach that. But all those other skills, you can't teach. And it's really wonderful because with that diverse group, you know, as a white woman, I may not think about something um, in a certain way. Uh, growing up in Michigan and and the way I grew up versus someone who you know, has a completely different background. Um, 
And so we bring all of that. And, you know, my, my hope and dream is that we as an industry can think outside the box between, you know, just hiring that male who, you know, went to Ivy League or went to the CFP school, which while all of that is great, we're missing out on some fantastic professionals, fantastic professionals that will, will just move mountains and your clients will adore. I mean, I'll be honest, our clients love our financial advisors that we have more so than me. I mean, in the beginning it was me, but now, you know, now it's really, now it's really about them. And you mentioned how um, the empathy, caring is so important for your staff of professionals, because while you may be dealing with wealthy women in your advisory practice, they're often very vulnerable. They're widows, they're divorcees. Tell us about some of those um, special challenges and how you work with those special groups of women. Yeah. And many of these women um, have never dealt with the finances before. They might have been in charge of bill paying. Um, Mary Beth, we hear that quite often, but not the long-term investing or the financial planning. Um, Many times, didn't really have a relationship with their financial advisor or their accountant. So they, they come to this place um, of being on their own and understandably, um, you know, feel overwhelmed, uh, you know, a lack of confidence. And if anything, though, um, need a good financial advice now more than ever, because right after a divorce and, and going through a divorce, as well as, you know, unfortunately losing a spouse, those are pivotal times where there are a a teen number of financial decisions that have to be made that will affect you and, and your family for the rest of your life. So that's really important. Um, you know, and, and for financial advisors, it's an amazing opportunity for us to make a huge difference. And if you do well by her and you really are there communicating through and trust and giving, um, advice and support, um, she will be a client with you for life. And, and I think that that's something that's really important to know that the investment in working with these women, while they might be going through a lot of trauma and, and what some people will say to me is, you know, they're too much work. Sorry, I'm not going to work with that type of group of people. Um, you know, I say that's too bad for you because these are individuals who are just so appreciative and, you know, they're going to stay with you for life. And that's really what you want. Talking about um, the business opportunities of working with women, twofold, it's often money in motion as when they when they become widowed or divorced, they may not want to stay with that former financial advisor who perhaps didn't pay them much heed while their husband was in the picture. And two, there's a lot of money out there that women control yeah. today and are likely to control in the future. Talk a bit about that, women and wealth. Yeah, this is something that people don't talk about or think about or even realize that actually um, women control more money than men. And I think that's really powerful. We talk about the wage gap. We talk about a lot of other things, but when it actually comes to personal wealth, women are slightly ahead and about 51% of personal wealth is held by, by women in the US. Um, it's about $22 trillion and it's expected to jump significantly to do almost $30 trillion over the next 40 years. And that is exactly, Mary Beth, what you're talking about when that intergenerational wealth is handed over. And, um, you know, from a financial planner perspective, when money is in motion is when typically 
individuals will be looking for a, a new financial advisor and financial advice. And so I, I feel like it's foolhardy to ignore these numbers. And, you know, if you are thinking about women in transition and working in, in that area, you know, all I can say is it's so worth the investment. It's so worth the time. And, you know, if you, if you really want to take your practice to the next level and, and feel like a million dollars at the end of the day of making a difference, this is a, you know, a great, great area to work in. I wanted to circle back to COVID for a moment because you talked about how by some estimates, COVID and women leaving the workforce may have set their finances back 20 years. Um, it may be too soon to figure out whether these are temporary or permanent changes, but it does create some challenges for a financial advisor who may be working with a couple that went from dual income to single income. How do advisors adjust their practice to help what may look like the new American family? How do you, how do you save for two retirements on one salary? Yeah, it's very hard. Um, <laughs> it's very hard. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that we, we hear is how much uh, couples are, are struggling and it's because one has become unemployed. Usually the woman that's at least during COVID, what we've seen more women have um, been laid off or furloughed than, than men. And then as we mentioned, the number of women who just because of the, the unbelievable demands are, are stepping back from, from their career. It's making it harder. It's making it harder. And um, you know, what, what's challenging is that you know, those that are, are focusing on social security to save the day, while well, Social Security is going to be there, we all know that the amount of money that Social Security offers is um, you know, very low compared to the cost of living for individuals. And you know, while many people do focus, like myself, on the number of women living in poverty over age 65, if you have a couple where only one is working, it's even a worse situation. And it's a worse situation because you have higher expenses and you only have one income. It's the story no one talks about. And it's the story that we're going to see the effects of not only over the next couple of years, um, but that we see over the next couple of decades as these couples go into retirement, sometimes even forced into retirement um, early because of them being laid off, uh, because of health issues, because of the myriad of, of different situations. And they're not ready they haven't saved enough and they don't have the ability to rebound from financial crisis, let alone the income and assets to last for their life. And, you know, for him, that's not great, but for her, um, his wife, it's even worse because she's going to be the one with the empty bag living typically much longer into retirement without those assets outliving him. So, you know, even married couples, they're, they're seeing a lot of struggle right now as well. And that's one of the main reasons when I talk about social security to both financial advisors and consumers is married couples should make this decision as a household decision rather than two individuals of when to claim their benefits. And it generally makes sense for at least one spouse, preferably the one with the bigger social security benefit, to wait as long as possible up until age 70, even if the other spouse claims early, because it would bring some money into the household now while one waits. And more importantly, that bigger benefit is likely to survive as the survivor benefit. 
and we know women are likely to live longer and the bigger their monthly guaranteed income in the form of social security can be, the better they're going to be in the long run. Exactly. And, you know, I think that that's really important that you you speak about that, Mary Beth, because I know at Savvy Ladies and, and at Francis Financial, some of the biggest questions we have is around social security. And it's, um, you know, there are a lot of mistakes that are made and it's a really important income source to supplement every dollar you can get more you know, the better off you're going to be, the more financially secure. Stacey, this has been a fabulous conversation. Is there any takeaway you'd like to give to either women investors or uh, financial advisors going forward? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, we're starting a, a, you know, we're starting 2022 and it's a year of, of great promise. It's a year where we hope that we can continue to recover from from everything that COVID has done to our world. What I I say to both investors, um, women, um, as well as financial advisors, there's so much that we have within our control that we can do to put ourselves on the right financial track. And for financial advisors, I just have to say, working with this area that these these women, women in transition, um, there's enough room for everyone there really is. There are enough women that desperately need your help for all of us to, to be able to serve them. And you really will do well long-term financially. And for women investors, I really want to use that word investors. And I love that you, you say that. As women, we need to invest. We live much longer. And so making sure that your money is working for you in the market, making sure that you understand how much you need to be saving making sure that you understand where your money is and what your net worth is and should be. Really important because we don't know what the world holds for us, except that, you know, hopefully 2022 will be better. But what we do know is that we do have control over how we can move through 2022, making good decisions, putting ourselves on the right financial track for for long-term financial security. Oh, Stacey, I love that you made several really important points there. One, financial literacy. It's so important for women to understand the basics of money. And two, while things like budgeting and saving and credit management are so important, it can't stop there. That creates a solid financial footing but you need to invest for the future. And that can be scary for a lot of people because it's new, but women have to learn to embrace appropriate risk so they can grow their nest eggs for the future for themselves and their family. And I believe so strongly in what you're doing at Savvy Ladies. Here is my commitment to you. Sign me up to volunteer to answer social security questions for Savvy Ladies and my challenge to the other financial advisors out there listening, particularly the young ones who may be looking for their experience requirements for the Certified Financial Planning Program. I'm doing it. You do it too. You just gave me the best gift of 2022. So thank you so much. And Mary Beth, we definitely will do that. And all of you are interested. It's only one or two hours uh, a month. And if you want to email me, you can reach out to me directly. Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at Savvy Ladies. And Savvy has two, two Vs, SavvyLadies.org. Um, and I would love to uh, support you in making a difference. Um, you know, we all can make a difference um, by only just just an hour or two a month. Um, and these women desperately need your support and your help. And, um, you know, I will tell you, it gives you dividends more so than I think the, 
you know, the, the good feeling that you put in, you get so much more out. Well, from all of us here at the Retirement Repair Shop, I want to thank today's guest, Stacy Francis, who's president and CEO of Francis Financial and founder of Savvy Ladies. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Realize, for making it possible to bring these important messages to our podcast listeners. Thanks, everybody, and a happy 2022. Money, money, money.